Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. And I am so incredibly excited to be here today. For all of you watching and listening, whether Voice America or Facebook, please know life is not a zero-sum game. We don't need to kill to survive. We can be happy, joyous, and free. We can live in a world of natural abundance where everybody has enough to eat. All we need to do is one simple thing. Stop killing animals for food. Switch to plant-based options, and we are so honored to have two of the leading entrepreneurs in plant-based food with us today here on Voice America Radio and Facebook. Tyler Mayoras is co-founder and CEO of Cool Beans, and Mark Dosko is COO of Cool Beans, but I uh, remember Mark from Candle Cafe. Uh, and Candle 79 in New York, where I used to um, spend a lot of time, one of my favorite restaurants. I know you were very involved in that as well. So it's great to see you again. So you guys have cool beans, uh, which is really cool beans. Uh, But what I'd like to ask first, as we get underway, Tyler, because you're an angel investor who has invested in a whole slew of plant-based products, where is the vegan um, where is the vegan product as a general category today in the supermarkets of America during this pandemic? Oh, well, I think right now things couldn't be healthier for plant-based foods. You know, it's, it's certainly the fastest growing category uh, in pretty much all aspects of the grocery store, whether it's frozen, fresh, or in the center of the store. What's really interesting is kind of where it's going because if you looked at the total population, it's somewhere around two and a half to three percent are vegan, vegan or vegetarian. Um, but if you looked at specific the younger generations, millennials and Generation Z, they identify as vegan at about a seven and a half percent rate. And I recently saw a survey that said that thirty-five percent of all uh, Generation Z plan to be vegan within the next. To a year and a half. And so that's really just a great trend for the future because ultimately millennials and Generation Z are the, are the future shoppers here. Wow. Well, you have given me hope because I was actually guilty that because of the pandemic, and I'm taking it very seriously, I wear two masks when I go outside, I'm isolating, and I haven't supported vegan restaurants as much as I would like to. Um, However, Jane Unchained, our nonprofit, has teamed up with Maggie Baird, and we have uh, a series on Amazon Prime promoting vegan restaurants through Support and Feed, which I urge everybody to support. Just go to Support and Feed, and uh, they raise the show on Amazon Prime. Even beg your pardon. What's the show called on, on vegan? It's called New Day, New Chef Support and Feed Edition. Okay, and, great. Uh, it's a mouthful, but New Day, New Chef, Support and Feed Edition. And we work with Maggie Baird, who's Billie Eilish's mom. Billie Eilish actually does a cameo. She goes, 
Nice. Love y'all. <laughs> That's all you get from Billy, but she's a vegan superstar. And we were so happy to have her. Um, and uh, her mom is really a hero to the vegan movement because she created this great campaign and nonprofit where people can give to support and feed. Support and feed gives money to the vegan restaurants. The vegan restaurants stay open. They make the food and they distribute it to children who are hungry, seniors, first responders, uh, paramedics. It's, it's a brilliant idea. And it's exposing a lot of people, including doctors and nurses, to vegan food. So it's got many, many uh, advantages. But as I was researching, talking to you guys, I realized, wow, okay, yes, there's a vegan restaurants, but there's this whole supermarket thing. And of course, I buy um, a lot of the vegan products, uh, but... I think I was underestimating the power of vegan products in supermarkets and the importance of buying those vegan products in supermarkets uh, because I love going to restaurants. Uh, one last question to you, Tyler, before we go to Mark. Um, can you give us a sense of the uh, importance of those two compared to each other? In other words, when the money people are looking at things, Obviously, Beyond Meat, an incredibly successful stock. Um, we know that there's some others that are in that same uh, wheelhouse that are going to be doing IPOs soon. But what do the money people and the people who determine what's a success in this culture look at? Do they look at the vegan restaurants or do they look at, hey, supermarkets, what's selling? I would say most of the money's gone into the grocery channel. That's, that's where most of the plant-based foods are exploding um, in, in the frozen category, you've got a bunch in the fresh, uh, with P and then, you know, even in the meat counter with impossible and, and, uh, beyond, and then in the center of the store with people like dozen cousins and that you can easily heat up and, and, uh, vegan products. So I, I think that, um, that's where most people are spending their time. The food service will become a bigger element over time. But certainly in the last year and a half now, and now with COVID and everything, it's, uh, it's really been focused on the supermarkets. So let me ask Mark, Mark, Cool Beans, what a great product, because part of it is also to have um, convenience. Uh, what I noticed reading the Good Food Institute report that you quoted is that it's access, it's price, and it's um, one other thing. <laughs> Access, price, and oh, taste. Yeah, flavor. Access, taste price, it. and flavor. Tell us about Cool Beans and how that fits into that criteria. Well, I think we're really fortunate because we're, we're at the center of three huge trends being plant-based, frozen, and gluten-free. And we managed to create a product that tastes as good as anything out there on the market or better. Uh, for Cool Beans, the, one of the key guiding lights, our North Star was creating something that's more whole food plant-based. So creating a alternative to those mushier, highly processed products that are on the market and creating a product where you see real whole food fall out of the burrito when you cut it in half. And I think our team did a great job doing that. And, uh, you know, I think it's right what people are looking for right now. Now, let me ask you about this trend of possibly working with other uh, meat alternatives and kind of even incorporating them into your products. Where does that stand? It's not on our path. 
we're, we're not against it. You know, we want to see people eating more vegan, more plant-based foods, and they have a great place in the market and they taste great, lots of them, and I eat them myself on occasion. But we're trying to create something that you can eat every day, feel good about, feel like it's going to have a good impact on your body and on the planet. Uh, and I think we did that here. Yeah, I, I think if you, if you watch Game Changers or Forks Over Knives or any of those documentaries, the, the doctors in those, and I noticed right behind Mark's head, the How Not to Die book by Dr. Michael Greger. He's another great one. Um, and if you read those books, all those doctors are talking about a whole food plant-based diet. When they're talking about the healthiest diet for you, it's not just vegan. It's a whole food plant-based diet. And so that's really what we focused on when we made these products. We we, we really try to steer away from highly processed, no fake meat, no fake cheese. So I don't see us adding those in the future, uh, but um, we're, we're certainly big fans of Beyond Meat and whatnot. I just try not to eat it more than once or twice a week. Well, yeah, and that's so funny that the uh, newscasters and cable TV hosts who have never mentioned that, for example, processed meat is cancer-causing. Officially, according to the World Health Organization, suddenly when Beyond Meat Burger comes out on the scene, they're like, well, it's processed. Well, where were you when all the other processed products that contain dead animals uh, were being marketed and sold? You never mentioned the health issues. So uh, I think there's definitely a double standard. However, I see that the vegan products are getting new respect. Having been vegan approximately 24 years and having been openly ridiculed and uh, we've all had those experiences, I can tell you I experienced personally a sea change after the Beyond Meat IPO because money talks in our culture. And after that, people who used to roll their eyes at me were coming up and going, hey, that Beyond Meat, huh? Ooh, yeah. And, and engaging me in conversations about Beyond Meat. And it took me a while to realize, oh, wait a second, it's making money, so they respect it now. What are your thoughts as a person who deals in the financial world about that, Tyler? Like, are, are the money people, are the people who really control a lot of aspects of our culture by determining what's in and what's out. Are they starting to come around to uh, the whole vegan uh, yeah, idea? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Both vegan as well and dairy free. I think probably the next big IPO we'll see is Oatly. Uh, and oh. they've, they've kind of taken over the, the, the dairy free milk uh, aisle and, and dominant in the food service channel as well. Uh, then you've got Just, you've got Impossible. Um, so there's, there's quite a few that are coming and it's definitely on the radar of both private equity investors as well as public market investors. So you have JBS, one of the largest meat producers in the world, uh, and Tyson in various ways getting involved in the plant-based space. JBS just came out with a vegan product line that is certified vegan. And the woman who certified it, one of our contributors, Carissa Kranz, who is a uh, very successful lawyer, voted a super lawyer. She also has a vegan certification company. Uh, she could, she's, she's vegan from birth. She said, I can't eat it. It's so meat-like, even though it's 100% vegan. Are these meat companies in, in the midst of covid where we have slaughterhouses, the hotspots, one of the 
three leading hotspots of the pandemic in the United States, along with nursing homes and prisons, people dying in these slaughterhouses. When are they going to wake up and say, "Uh aha, got to switch over from killing the animals to making this plant-based product that we've already produced that tastes exactly like the animals? Um, Tyler, you want to take a crack at that? Yeah, I, I think we're definitely already seeing it start. Um, there's also a company called Better Meat uh, up in San Francisco that that sells additive products to the meat companies to create burgers with less meat in them and more um, started by actually uh, Paul Shapiro, who I think was a Humane Society or, or one of those organizations. So there, uh, I think there's a lot of different avenues they're exploring, but I think that they see the future and they say, you know, look, Meat, meat is always going to probably be here. I don't think, I, I would love to see a world in which, you know, 30 years from now, there's no meat eaters, but I think that's unlikely and I think that's naive. But I think it's going to be a lot less of the total pie uh, when you think about what, are, what Americans eat. Um, now, but, but my, my question, and thank you for, for that answer, but my question is, given that we're in a race against time, against um, basically running out of time, and experiencing an ecological apocalypse. And I always do give a plug for Jane Unchained's documentary, Countdown to Year Zero on Amazon Prime. Basically, it posits that we have until, well, some people would say a decade, some people say 2026, at which point all, virtually all wildlife vertebrates will be wiped out, except for maybe squirrels and rats. And then we're going to have an ecological collapse because we are part of the natural world. And if we destroy which we're doing right now, the Amazon, uh, the Pantanal, which is the last, the largest wetlands in the world, which is up in flames too, in Brazil and Bolivia and uh, Paraguay. We are going to, we're basically on a race against time to transition to a vegan world. Do the powers that be, which by the way, was a sarcastic title. Uh, I always find that interesting. Do, do they realize it's not about switching eventually, but it's about we got to switch sooner rather than later? Or, you know, obviously, if, if it's going to get too hot to support human life on this planet, that's not good for business. Uh, and I'll throw that to Mark. Yeah, I mean, the, the lack of urgency and lack of immediacy that's coming from our government and from our, our own fellow citizens is, you know, frightening frankly, pretty frightening to me. You know, I live in California here where you do, we see the fires, we see what's going on, and we're seeing the damage that happens all over the planet because of what's happening. Um, what's it going to take to wake up that other part of the society? I, I don't have an answer. I wish I did. I'll tell I know, you. But I know that plant-based is the path, and I know that there's people out there like you and us that are going to keep doing everything we can to move the needle. And there's people like our, our old friend, Bart Potenza, who says the trend is our friend. So we just got to keep pushing it and keep doing what we can. I think, and this obviously, what do I know? I'm not a psychic. I have no crystal ball. Uh, but I think if it makes money, people will switch to that in terms of the culture switching. And I didn't really appreciate the full depth of that until this whole Beyond Me thing happened, where honestly, people who would laugh in my face were suddenly like approaching me and uh, I tried it and th- it was just a complete complete 100% change. Um, And that's because our society values what makes money. That's the bottom line. 
the whole reason I started this nonprofit is that I was doing videos and profiling vegan restaurants and going to protests. And my non-vegan friends, or I like to say my pre-vegan friends, the only question they ever asked me was, how are you going to monetize it? And, mm. and I just never really understood. I was like, well, well, how did they monetize the Underground Railroad? You know, and then I realized either you're a for-profit or you're a non-profit. There's no other place in our world. So I think the fact that these products are making money and that they also are the future that the kids, uh, that the demographic that everybody seeks is into it is, um, is so important. And I also feel- really matters, that generational thing, the Generation Z, they are crazy about climate change and the Greta generation is gonna lead us out of this thing. And, and uh, I think they'll be the, the largest group of vegans in the future for sure. Absolutely. And um, I hope that it spreads to, let's say the middle-aged people who wanna be young, right? They wanna be kids. So um, uh, once a societal trend takes over in the youth, it can spread to other demographics. And hopefully that's happening as well. We're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio. We're going to stay live on Facebook and then we're going to be back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influence channel the voice america talk radio network is on instagram make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows live events and around the network we want to see what you have to share as well check us out on instagram at voice america talk radio we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. We are here with the incredible entrepreneurs behind Cool Beans. We've been talking about the market in general, and now we want to get into the Cool Beans story. How did Cool Beans develop, Mark? I want to hit you with this, and it's in Sprouts, which makes me happy because I have not been in a grocery store in six months or more, 
and I've been using Instacart, and guess where I order from? Sprouts, just so happens. So now that I see this, I can order your product. Tell us about it, and tell us how you developed it, and, and what's it all about? Well, the story started with Tyler making burritos in his, his home kitchen. Uh, Tyler went plant-based a couple years ago and was looking for good food that he could bring to work. So he started making his own recipes, freezing them and taking them to the office. And through that, became passionate about the idea and the project and ran into two partners of mine uh, in Beyond Brands, which is a conscious food and beverage um, accelerator and incubator agency. And he met two of my partners at Escabona, an event down in Texas, and shared the idea with the two of them in separate conversations. And then uh, we ended up partnering together through the agency to help create the product, create the strategy to bring it to market, and put the team behind it. So Tyler used his team to gather investment dollars to bring this thing to market. We, like you said, we launched in Sprouts, all 344 stores this September. Wow. I am so excited. I can't wait now to order an Instacart again so I can order that. We've got some callers on hold. Lisa, your question or thought. Lisa. What a great show today. Um, This is so interesting. So I'm interested in schools. How long will it be? Because I think that's a great way to get the information out there because kids come back and say to their parents, God, I had this great thing at school. How long until we can get this kind of food onto school menus? Now, I know we're eating at home, but at some point the pandemic is going to be over and people will be back in school again. So uh, that's, my, that's my question. And your well, product is a great, great product for kids because yeah. you just rip it open and eat it and it's healthy. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we would love to be in schools. The, the, the problem with the school, whole school lunch pro- program in general is that it's, it's, it's very, um, the, the amount of dollars that you can spend on each lunch is really small. Um, it's, I think it's something like a dollar twenty or dollar forty um, per school lunch. So it really limits what people can do, uh, what the, the the educators can do to bring in interesting products. So they really have to, and, and that's part of the reason why they it's such an unhealthy uh, lunch. A lot of times, it's because that's the cheapest food they can get. Um, so it, I think it's probably going to be a while before it'll be in schools and public schools and things like that. I just, I don't know when they're going to be able to do that. Um, but there should be, there's a groundswell of people that want healthier food in schools for sure. And at the same time, we're working on getting college kids to eat the product. So looking at a lot of universities, university shops and stores. So hopefully those college age kids will come home and tell their parents about Cool Beans and, and share the news. Uh, Sarah, your question or thought, Sarah? Uh, oh, hi. I wanted to find out what your burritos have in them, if you use some type of a plant-based meat that's proprietary, such as Impossible or Beyond, and also how your burritos do, if they're not frozen, how would you cook them if you're not using any type of a microwave or a stove, let's say you're out camping? For sure, yeah. So um, when we started this, the concept really was that there's a lot of vegan junk food out there, but there wasn't a lot of whole food plant-based foods. And so we wanted to create products that were actually whole food plant-based. So in each one of the burritos, all that's in there are legumes, vegetables, and whole grains. Um, there's nothing else except for spices. So there's no fake meat, no fake cheese, etc. But they taste great and because of the spice blend and the vegetables, etc. 
So that's really the basis of the product. And we don't see veering away from that in the future. Um, as far as cooking, you know, our products can be cooked obviously in the microwave, but they also can be cooked in a toaster oven. I think on a camping trip, it would just be put, you'd, you'd put it over a, a fire. Um, and we have instructions on the website on how to cook it in a toaster oven. And you'd kind of vary from that based on what you wanted to do over a fire. Yeah, we're getting a lot of people that are writing in saying they're pan frying them and they're really liking them that way. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Put a little spray, spray a little oil yeah. and then fry them. Yeah. What is calorie count? Give us an example of one of them. What's in them, Mark? Calories, they range around 250 uh, on average between, across the three SKUs. We have three different flavors, Moroccan gold, spicy chipotle, and um, tikka masala. And they're all filled, like, like Tyler said, the hero is the bean. So we have red kidney beans in the Moroccan gold, black-eyed peas in the spicy chipotle, and uh, chickpeas in the tikka masala. Wow, that sounds, you're making me hungry. I haven't had breakfast. I've just had my coffee with, in my case, it was cashew milk. Let me ask you on the bigger picture, getting back to the big picture, because you're a wealth of information, both of you, on trends. And so many vegans are really, like in this pandemic, we see that it was caused by our abuse of animals. It is a zoonotic disease that jumped from animals to humans. And conspiracy theories aside, it was first cropped up in a slaughter market in China. That's where the people were who first came down with it and saw a similar situation, different province. And then, of course, you have mad cow disease from cows, avian flu from birds, swine flu from pigs. All of these obvious problems with our industrialized food system. I noticed uh, David Attenborough is now starting um, a series where he addresses, I watched the trailer, he says, basically, we've killed all the wildlife and, and then he shows uh, um, a concentrated animal feeding operations. I haven't seen it, but I hope he gets into it. Um, how is it possible, Tyler, you're a big picture person, you're a, a, an angel investor, you, you connected the dots, you woke up, you realized, uh, oh my gosh, whether it's human health, heart disease or cancer, and animal agriculture, meat and dairy contribute both to both of those. Uh, it's documented, whether it's world hunger, ants are eating most of the food that's grown on this planet, 75% of the soy goes to farm animals, uh, whether it's climate change, there are different estimates, but it is at least a leading cause of climate change. Some now in a new white paper, uh, that's on climatehealers.org, make a very persuasive argument that it is the leading cause of climate change. That can be debated, but it, nobody debates it is a leading cause. And um, so it's a leading cause of world hunger, climate change, deforestation, obviously, habitat destruction, wildlife extinction, human world hunger. I mean, why is it that you made the connection and yet people in, in positions of influence, whether it's the news media, the mainstream media, whether it's the government, we know the government has been largely co-opted by industry, and so has the media. If you look at the commercials, it's meat, dairy, pharmaceutical. Um, but why is it that other voices that could be more independent, whether it's professors, whether it's the finance people, the people who run the hedge funds, why can't they connect the dots and say, hey guys, we destroy our planet, none of us, even if we're billionaires, it won't count for anything, we'll all be gone. Right. Yeah, no, 
I, I wish more people did. I think that um, for me, the, the eye-opening change, and I, I knew about the health benefits, but that didn't tip me over the edge um, until I went to a conference in 2016 and learned about the, the animal agriculture linked to the greenhouse gases. And at that conference, they were talking about 15% of greenhouse gases in the U.S. being caused by animal agriculture. Uh, I frankly, that was very eye-opening to me, and I didn't even believe it at first. I came what back to Chicago. 15 or 50? 15. 15 percent. Well, there's Which a new argument actually, that says it's 7%. Well, it, it, you've got to take into account. So, so then I went back to Chicago and I decided to build up the statistics myself. And so mm -hmm. I went through USD, USDA data and EPA data. And the, the factor, it's not just animals. If you just calculate the animals, it's a small percentage. It's like 6 7%. But the problem is 65% of all, the, anim, all the, ag, the crops that we grow are fed to animals. And so you've got to take into account that farming and you can find out the percentage um, of farming that, or crops that are grown, uh, the greenhouse gases, and, and then make the calculation. But in addition to that, it's the nitrogen and all the fertilizer that gets put on the fields because nitrogen, liquid nitrogen was invented in, in World War I um, it actually was a toxic gas at the, at, at the time, but it was invented and became much cheaper than using animal waste or manure, basically, as nitrogen for the, the crops. And as a result, we now generate most of our nitrogen for fertilizer from liquid nitrogen. And that means they heat up air to create liquid nitrogen, and they use carbon gases to do it. So liquid nitrogen is one of the biggest contributors of of greenhouse gases at well, and that's the fertilizer for the crops. So it's a big chain of items and they all add up. And when I did this calculation, I came up between 15 and 19% of all greenhouse gases are caused by animal agriculture. But that is not a statistic that a lot of people know and understand. Well, actually, I invite you to check out climatehealers.org, Dr. Silas Rao, who is the subject of our documentary, Countdown to Year Zero, who yeah. is a Stanford PhD systems analyst engineer who worked with Al Gore and then split from Al Gore because Al Gore wasn't speaking enough about animal agriculture, very little. And um, he did his own calculations, um, basically challenging the UN's FAO statistics that are basically uh, the, the, the baseline that is used. Yeah. And, um, saying that they miscalculated, quite possibly intentionally, I don't know, but they haven't made this mistake in other arenas. They miscalculated the impact of uh, animal agriculture by uh, the way that they calculated methane, that methane degrades and they calculated it over a hundred years. So it would be like, his analogy would be like eating a chocolate cake in one day and calculating the impact it would have on your body over a hundred years. Obviously it'd be watered down. Mm -hmm. He also um, includes the opportunity costs that are lost because trees absorb carbon. So when forests are destroyed to grow crops, to create cattle grazing land and, and farmland to feed farm animals, those trees are not absorbing carbon anymore. So 19% yeah, did not include that clear cutting. Um, yeah. could, I mean, if you included clear cutting, it could go up to as much as 50%. But the, the problem with it is most of that clear cutting was done 
hundreds of years ago. And so it's a little bit hard to directly correlate it now. Right yeah, now, the New York Times has said, uh, and this was an article that came out several months ago uh, during the earlier stages of the pandemic, said that a, a size that's 20 times the size of Manhattan has been destroyed in the Amazon since the beginning of 2020 to create cattle grazing land. They often say logging, but that's a byproduct. Yeah. It, their real motivation is to clear it for cattle grazing. So all that and soy and soy, they Brazil and the soy is fed to farm animals. The and then they sell it to China because China doesn't want to grow their own soy anymore. Yeah, which is so, fascinating. Really. Exactly. I, I do invite you to check out, and I'll send you the link after yeah, we're done. Really. Climate healers, video because sure. it's it's actually a white paper. Um, because you know you have. Organizations like the New York Times, yes, finally admitting that animal agriculture is a problem in some way, shape, or form. And then you look, you scroll down, and there's another dish for duck or pork or whatever. So uh, even people who are um, becoming aware are still talking out of both sides of their mouths. And the problem, and the problem is again, only 2.5 percent of the U.S. population is vegan right now, right? So 97 percent want to justify their diet. And over time, that will change. But there's a lot of there's really good marketing by the meat and dairy industry. And then there's just a lot of people that want to listen and buy into diets like the, the high protein, low carb diet, because it's what they want to eat. It's what they've always been eating meat and dairy. And so and, that's there, and there's still to. subsidies and government support yeah. for the industries and tons of lobbyist dollars like yes you know there's great things like plant-based food association that are coming along and starting to fight the good fight but they need a lot more dollars and we need a lot more people getting after it absolutely absolutely but broccoli doesn't have a lobby as as, as Dr. <laughs> exactly. always says exactly right well there is there there are a couple of uh, lobbying groups that are trying to speak for the planet, and we'll yeah. see how, how effective they are. Uh, we've got another caller, Paige. Your question or thought. Paige. Hey, I just wanted to circle back onto um, college campuses and the food available. I, You know what I've noticed? I have two children who are in college, and it definitely feels like the environment is on the conversation in every classroom. It feels like it's being tied in. So I just wanted to make a mention of how, how you're being received on college campuses as far as your food goes um, and what you see as far as the trend goes. Yeah, it's being received very well. Those are some of our highest velocity stores um, on, that are near co college campuses. We're not actually selling on the campus itself yet. Um, hope to do that in the future through, you know, some partnerships and whatnot, but we're selling in natural and independent stores that are on college campuses. Let me ask you a question. Uh, reading this uh, Good Food Institute plant-based market overview, it seemed to indicate, correct me if I'm wrong, that the big success story are plant-based milks. Yeah. Do you have any thought, uh, either Tyler or Mark, on why the plant-based milks took over so quickly? Uh, and I mean, I'm thrilled. Uh, and what we can learn from that trajectory. Well, I think one point is that there's not a real loss in terms of quality, especially in the milks and coffee. Like they, it holds up as well against regular dairy. Um, I think you see it a little slower in yogurts and other things, but on the ice cream side, it tastes just as good. It's just as creamy. So quality, matching the quality has certainly helped a lot. Well, I mean, the yogurts, 
I think they taste absolutely fantastic. I don't see a I do too personally, but it's a response I've heard from a lot of people that are not giving up dairy yet is they feel like the yogurts have not gotten gotten to where the other categories have. And the cheeses, I mean the the Miyoko's cheeses are absolutely extraordinary and there's there's so many different cheese variations. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, you are in the frozen food sector, right? Are you planning on expanding to other sectors? Um, Because, yes, frozen food right now, especially when people want to buy in bulk and save their foods and put them in there and then they they have access to them. Uh, Let me ask you that question first. Is the fact that we're in a pandemic and people are bulk buying helping you? Is that something that you've benefited from? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely benefited from the frozen food growth as a result of the pandemic. But with regard to your other question, we're, we're really a frozen-based company for the near term. And, and the reason we chose frozen was because we wanted very minimally processed and low preservative, like no preservatives at all. And so you really either have to be fresh with a really short shelf life or you're frozen and you lock in the freshness through freezing. So that's why we chose to be frozen. And we'll be frozen for a while. We're going to do some product extensions and different things, but I don't see us getting out of the frozen aisle for a while. Okay, well, it's good. I mean, we, you know, the vegan movement has to hit all sectors. And uh, so now, I, I, well, the last time I was in a grocery store, as, as I've mentioned, I ordered Instacart, but where I live in, in LA, the Beyond Meat and the Impossible Burger are right in there with the meat. And yeah. you've got to go in there and I kind of hold my nose and I go and I grab them and I leave. <laughs> um, but I think that's good. I think that's a really good trend. Let me ask you about that because at that same grocery store, which has really a growing number of vegan options, this in this case, I'm talking about Ralph's, um, they also have a vegan, a vet, vegan and vegetarian section. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you think in terms of placement? Because I know that's so important in grocery stores where it's placed. Um, how are vegan products doing in terms of placement and what, what can we learn from you about that? Well, I think we, we saw that, you know, Beyond broke the trend by, by selling their product in with the uh, regular meat. And I think that was a real first experiment where that happened. And we saw great upside. And one of the companies that we worked with at Beyond Brands was Good Catch Foods. And they wanted to sell right by the seafood, right by the tuna. Um, so I, I think there's great opportunity for, to find new consumers that way. Uh, for us, we're in the handheld section. We're with the burritos. It's not necessarily carved out by plant-based or otherwise, but uh, it's a good spot for us to be. We're, you know, we're in the freezer where a lot of more people are shopping now and looking for new innovation. And that's one of the things that we saw is that people are looking for new products in Frozen. And they're, they're like, I came from, from eating frozen foods a long time ago, and there's a negative stigma around it. The quality wasn't as good. The innovation and opportunity wasn't that good, but now there's so many new things that people are finding there. And I'm, in, I'm a frozen consumer now, again, when I haven't been for years. Wow. Yeah, I've tried them too. And you're absolutely right. I've gotten vegetables where I bought them in bulk and they're mushy. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. But some of the frozen products are absolutely fantastic. And not that this is, it's neither here nor there, but I recently got an air fryer. And it's amazing what you can do 
with an air fryer to take food that would be mushy and make it crispy and delicious. So a lot of things are happening. Um, I, I would also give you a hot tip on blueberries. Buy, buy all your blueberries, organic frozen, um, and you, you thaw them overnight, and then you can have them in the morning, and they taste so much better than fresh blueberries. Uh, unless you're right out there picking, most of the fresh blueberries have been sprayed with something so that they can go from California to your store and wherever and um, to, to, to stay fresh on shelf. And that really degrades the taste. And so t- the taste of frozen fruit in particular is a lot better than a lot fresh. So we are here talking with two amazing entrepreneurs who are the executives of Cool Beans. These are frozen wraps that are just so convenient. You buy them. They sell them how many to a pack? Or do you sell them individually? Individually. Oh, wow. Or you okay. can buy a 12-pack on our website. Uh, so you can have it shipped? Yep. Oh, wow. You can have it shipped or also Vegan Essentials carries it too online. Oh, wonderful. And that's now the website is? Eatcoolbeans.com. Eatcoolbeans.com. I love it. So you can buy a 12-pack uh, uh, and have it shipped to you. Um, now, I want to talk a little bit about the overall trend. I did print out a couple of the, don't worry, it's recycled, 100% recycled paper. A couple of the big points that were on the uh, Good Food Institute overview on plant-based eating and sales of plant-based products. Dollar sales of plant-based foods grew 11% in the past year and 29% over the past two years, comparatively, total U.S. retail food dollar sales grew just 2% over the past year and 4% over the past two years. So here's my big question, and I'll throw this at Tyler. I always hearken back to who who stole the electric car, who killed the electric car, the documentary. We could have all been driving electric cars already. In in the early 90s, they had an electric car, one of the American car companies. They tested it out. Everybody was in love with it. You know, some famous environmentalists got their hands on it. Then they decided, eh, we don't want to be bothered. We're going to take it back and kill it. And later, the executive who did that said that was the worst decision of his life. Well, we're kind of at the same point. We have these meat alternatives, right? We, we, it's, uh, I have vegan cookouts all the time to have to you know, invite people. Don't even tell them it's vegan. Nobody even knows, right? It's such an easy change, a shift. But we have industry being intransigent and stubborn and only thinking about the next quarter. Which of these big, do you, in other words, we need a game changer, like the movie, The Game Changer. You're a game changer in the frozen food section, but uh, we've seen that, you know, the Burger King came out with a vegan uh, burger. Um, there have been a lot of changes, but what is the big game changer that we need for one of the big industries to wake up and say, okay, we're like, just like if that car company hadn't killed the electric car, instead said, okay, you know what? We're going to we're going to go with the electric car. I mean, they would be yeah. much better off today. It was a yeah, stupid, stupid decision in retrospect. Yeah, I would say this is a very different situation. And, and I think we've already had that tipping point in plant-based foods and that it's, I don't think there's any turning back at this point. Um, if you, being an investor in the space for so many years, uh, every CPG company uh, is looking for plant-based alternatives to, to introduce 
every buyer that we talk to is wanting more plant-based food products. Um, so the, there is just a groundswell because, again, they're seeing those numbers that are dramatically above general growth trends. Uh, and it's been going on for three or four years now uh, and doesn't show any signs of slowing. In fact, it's probably accelerating. So I think we're kind of past that tipping point. And then you at layer in that, you know, the number of people that are trying to be more flexitarian in their diet is over 40%. The people that are, you know, like we said, the Generation Z that's looking, that is a higher percentage of vegan than, than the general population. And you just have those kind of trends moving in that direction that eventually I think we'll probably see seven to 10% of the population vegan and you'll see, a, you know, maybe 60, 70% trying to be flexitarian. And do you have any kind of a time frame, considering the clock is ticking? <laughs> We're yeah. going to run out of uh, uh, not only land, but uh, the it was 130 degrees, not far from where I'm sitting a few weeks ago. I know. I, you know, I certainly would say within five years, but I think, I think most people that have been watching this space, it's been accelerating faster than they, they expected it to. So there's a very good possibility that it goes faster. Um, just more, more things like Game Changers get out there and, and your, your documentary on Netflix. I, I just think more people that know that there's a three-legged stool. It's health. Your health is going to improve. Yeah, you know, you're going to improve your climate footprint and, and, and you're going to include uh, and improve life for animals. It, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, and it's Amazon Prime, but thank you for including I'm me. Sorry, I appreciate sorry, it, yeah. sir. Um, so what can people do? Because the average person watching is either vegan or um, on the road or pre-vegan. I say, I don't say you're not vegan because I, I have people call me, well, how about if you have this person on? They're never going to be vegan, but, and I said, don't say that. Why would you even say that? How do we know they're never going to be vegan? Um, but what would you tell the average person watching who, in this pandemic, it's very hard to see the big picture. Um, it sometimes feels like we're, you know, you see your favorite vegan restaurant uh, closed or um, the Veg Fest. I'm on the board of Veg Fest LA. We can't really plan right now. Um, all the wonderful galas and amazing things and protests. A lot of it's subsided to a certain degree and to a large degree. So for people who are looking for signs of hope, what would you tell them? Uh, maybe uh, start with Mark. Well, I think one of, the, one of the silver linings in COVID is there's a big realization around the country and around the world that our health is important and that we need to take care of ourselves. Um, the, you know, the impact we're seeing from the disease on people that are with obesity or pre-existing conditions that are all diet related for the most part um, are really waking up to the fact that they need to eat better. They need to find better foods. And I think we're seeing more and more resources and more and more products come to market that can feed these people and can show them that they can eat a plant-based diet, whether it's, whether they start with one meal a day uh, whether it's just meatless on Mondays, however you find your path in, there's a way in and uh, it's just becoming more accessible for people. And that's always been what I've been, I've cared most about. It's just making plant-based foods accessible for everybody. Um, we're seeing plant-based vegan restaurants open in, up in neighborhoods that have never had them before. Um, we're seeing people work on the food scarcity issues. So it's becoming more accessible and it's going to become easier for people. And I think with ease and with convenience, uh, we'll see bigger change more fast, more rapidly. 
Tyler, what would you say to give people hope and inspire yeah, them? Absolutely. I would say uh, read, read Paul Hawkins' book, Drawdown. I think that's probably one of the best things that you can do to get some hope in, in the world. Basically, what he did, you know, he's the founder of Smith & Hawkins and also um, Air One, the grocery chain in L.A., and he, he basically hired a bunch of very smart college uh, PhDs around the country and had them work on what are the 100 best opportunities to reduce climate change. And not just to limit our growth, but to actually draw down and sequester carbon, et cetera. And two, and th- two of the top five, one was plant-based food and the other was reducing food waste. And I think if we, can, if we can dramatically increase the number of people that are eating plant-based food and then also really reduce food waste, because right now about 35 to 40% of all food is wasted in different aspects of the food chain. And there's things that we can do from composting. You know, we compost at home. There's a service that'll come put a bucket at your house. You compost all your food scraps each week. And then every two weeks, they pick up the bucket and take it away. And it's a sealed bucket, so it's not going to create any smell or waste. It's very easy to do. Um, those simple things, then that then becomes fertilizer for, cro- for crops as opposed to making liquid nitrogen. You know, and there's just a lot of things that we can do that are, dram- are important, and you can read a lot about those in that book. So uh, where do you see Cool Beans going as you expand your product line, hypothetically, or I'm making that assumption, Mark. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, so we, we currently have three flavors. We're going to introduce a fourth flavor um, early next year, and, and then we're working on a couple others. Uh, we want to expand it to other parts of the frozen aisle, so certainly the breakfast, um, possibly kind of treat snack um, concept. We're working on a bunch of different concepts, but it'll all be in the frozen aisle in the near term. Um, at least in the next couple of years. Mark, you want to expand on that? Any? No, you pretty much got it. I mean, we're, we're just trying to be a fun brand for people to find an easy way to access healthy foods. And uh, hopefully we're doing that. So let's just look into our crystal balls with the knowledge that, and we're, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but I, when I get a chance to talk to people who are in there, uh, it's easy for me to pontificate. I'm not producing anything. If I can make coffee and oatmeal at the same time, I consider it a huge victory. Uh, but as you produce this, and I have such admiration for people who can not only come up with a product idea, but produce it, make it happen, and make it happen on a regular basis and get it out there. You know, It's so hard, and it's such an extraordinary accomplishment. We've heard rumblings of new IPOs in the vegan space. I've heard about uh, what we all wonder, when is Impossible going to go public? And and just um, my old buddy, Josh Tetrick, uh, who I have to say, I had the honor of being one of the first to interview uh, many years ago when he was just coming up. Uh, and I think he's an incredible spokesman for uh, our movement. Uh, when those IPOs come, what do you think is going to happen? Tyler, what's the next, like, What's the next phase, the next uh, kickstart to getting to that next level? Well, I think, you know, awareness is great. So certainly those IPOs will create a lot more awareness uh, about the, the, and people will try the products, et cetera. Uh, I think that there's a lot of people coming up with really interesting things beyond what those guys have done. 
So Nature's Find is another one that's created um, something from a, a, a fermented, it's kind of mycelia, but it's something that they found in volcanic um, lava, basically. And it's a protein that they've now learned how to replicate and they're going to create products from it. Um, somebody else has created something called Ma- Mankai that I just heard about, M-A-N-K-A-I. Uh, and basically it's a, a green that's like m- much more nutritious than kale and spinach. Um, and yet it's, it's, it's called duckweed. Yeah, uh, duckweed. It's a variety of duckweed. And nobody's ever heard of it. He's basically growing it. It, it takes 72 hours to basically grow to full size and then they harvest it and, and sell it. And it's really, really nutritious. And so that they, they've raised $50 million and they're built a plant and they're going to start marketing that to other vegan companies to use as an What's animal. it called again? I've got to keep my That's eye out. Eat Mankai is their website, M-A-N-K-A-I. Okay. Um, it's duckweed. It, duckweed. But it's actually duckweed is what Kind, kind on, it's called back in. Duckweed. Okay. Wow. Who knew? Okay. Listen, when we get a caller, I like to jump on it. James. Your question or thought? We only have a couple of minutes. Oh, yeah. Hey, I, hey, I was just wondering, where can I buy the product in Arizona? Is it possible? Do I need to order online? Sprouts. Sprouts. Instacart through Sprouts. And then yeah. we, have a, we have a store locator on our website at eatcoolbeans.com. If you go there, there's a map. You can zoom in on your area, and there might be other independent stores in Arizona that are also, it's also available on. Ruth Rivera says, will these foods contain soy, wheat, or gluten? I'm seriously allergic to all three. So if you can address cool beans on that. It, none, of the current, none of the current SKUs contain any of those items. Uh, we may introduce some soy in the future items, but uh, wheat and gluten will not be included. And Sophia uh, wants to know, where can we order in Palm Coast, Florida, please? Palm Coast, I would say check out the store tracker, uh, eat coolbeans.com. Is that near Tampa? I'm not sure where that is. I think yeah, that's, there's, I one, there's a place called Palm Coast C, uh, La Silla Independent Store that's that one of our, one of, one of a, it turns very well there. So I will say, I've been ordering things in bulk uh, and I'm really switched like most consumers how, you know, I used to order these little things of uh, liquid aminos and now I just got a giant thing for the rest of my life. So you could order this online, Sophia, and have it delivered, get a couple of dozen, and then you're set. We're out of time. I want to thank both of you gentlemen for taking the time to be with us today. So informative and inspiring. I feel a renewed sense of hope, um, and it's really great to get your perspective. Cool beans. Eatcoolbeans.com. Beans are nature's miracle food, and these cool beans are fabulous, available at Sprouts. Uh, let's check it out, people, and let's support the veganomy. So thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Mark. And keep it having us, for sure. Yes, please, great. please come back soon. I, I really, really enjoyed and learned a lot from our conversation. Great. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.